Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and today I'm joined by a man who certainly will be camped in front of his TV for about 11 hours, maybe eating some Reese's Cups, you know, maybe has some other snacks. Ben O'Brien, how are you doing today? Trevor, I'm fantastic, man. I mean, you're not wrong. Like, it's the first NFL Sunday of the year. Uh, I will be watching a stupid amount of TV today. I think a lot of it, you know, any NFL fan is going to be watching a lot of TV today. We haven't had the NFL in a long time. Um, there's some interesting matchups that we'll get to later in this in this podcast, but I'm, I'm excited, man. I mean, I, I would assume you are too. I got my fantasy team. I got I got it set up. I got my roster set up. Um, I'm ready to go. I, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good day. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and it definitely helps that um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe for all listeners, the weather isn't crappy, but for me, it certainly is. It's raining yeah. this morning. I woke up to thunderstorms, so uh, no plans uh, for me to go outside today. That's for sure. I mean, it's, it's Midwest weather, Trevor. We, we, same here, same here in Ohio. We got Midwest weather. It's football weather. We got football weather on, on NFL Sunday. Um, it's cloudy. It's rainy. It might be a little chillier than it typically would be at this time in September. So um, I'm excited, man. Again, that just gives you all the reason, like you said, to, to stay inside and watch football for as long as you possibly can today. Absolutely. It's going to be a great day of football, and we're going to talk about some of it. So this is going to be a full full football podcast. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about a little bit of college football, some of the games that happened yesterday. Um, it was a big day for upsets. A lot of uh, shocking results uh, yesterday that took place. Uh, I guess the first one I want to start with is Appalachian State. They head to College Station, and they pull a big upset on Texas A&M, who was ranked number six in the country, 17-14. to uh, The first time they have beat a team you know, ranked this high since back in 2007 uh, when they beat Brandon's favorite team, the Michigan Wolverines. Have to throw that in there. He's on the podcast Absolutely. to defend himself. So um, Appalachian State does that. They beat Texas A&M. And Ben, the, the most surprising thing about this for me is that last week Appalachian State was in that wild game against North Carolina where there was virtually zero defense. The final score of that game was 63-61. to 61. Appalachian State lost it. And then you're telling me that they were able to hold Texas A&M, the sixth best team in the country, who I thought was was pretty darn good, to 14 points. Like, how how does that happen, Ben? Isn't that crazy? And like, it's almost one of those things where it like it was fate, like it, it was meant to happen because Appalachian State should have won that game last week against North Carolina. They, I mean, that, that their two point conversions they went for once didn't get it. They're, at the end, they had to get it to tie. They didn't get it. Like they they probably were the better team. They probably should have won that game. Um. So it's almost like the football gods were repaying them today by last week. They're like, all right, that didn't go the way it was supposed to go, but this week we got you. Um, I, I don't think anybody that's an Appalachian State fan even remembers that they lost last week at this point because who cares? Uh, they just had what was probably going to be the, the biggest upset of the year in college football. Um, so I, it, it's crazy. Again, like football is just a crazy thing. And they're a good team. I, I think obviously they're probably better than giving up 63 points in North Carolina. Um, and I think that obviously showed yesterday. but. It's just one of those things, like, you never know. I mean, yes, like, you're playing Alabama, you're probably going to lose most teams. But, I mean, other than that, like, there's a lot of teams, and Texas A&M is, is no um, different, where there's a lot of teams that are always susceptible and always um, have the possibility of, of losing these games. And it's crazy. I think it's crazy because people were so high on Texas A&M this year. Um, I, I couldn't tell you how many, how many experts I saw say that they'll, they'll make the playoff and even maybe make the national championship game. Um, and I think it's, it's so funny, Trevor, because of this whole offseason, and they've kind of been like the biggest name in terms of we're just going to openly pay our players, and we don't really have any shame saying that. Like, we will absolutely 
use this NIL to our advantage. We got boosters that are willing to give millions of dollars to this program to help us hopefully win a national championship. So to see this whole experiment, this NIL experiment, kind of for the first time blow up in their face two games in by losing to a team that you're paying over a million dollars to come beat you, uh, it's just hilarious. And again, as like fans, Trevor, of, of a team in Bowling Green that is not a power five, they never will be a, a powerhouse in college football. It's always fun to see those because I can't help but think like, what if Bowling Green were to go in there to Texas A&M and beat them? Like, yes, Bowling Green beat Minnesota last year. But what if Bowling Green were to go on a road and beat a ranked team? Uh, it'd be crazy. And I don't know if you saw Trevor, but did you see that video of like Appalachian State, like their, their campus or their downtown in North Carolina, all the kids going crazy? Did you see that video? I, I was literally about to mention that. Yeah, I, I saw a few different videos. I saw one of them like storming the road. I saw yeah, another one of like a like a little pond or a little pool or something where people were jumping in the pool. I don't know. I don't know what was happening, but they were going wild. I mean, I'm like, I'm jealous because I can't imagine like, and maybe like if Bowling Green were to do that, that wouldn't happen. But like, I, it'd be so fun to like experience that because again, like you're Appalachian State in terms of college athletics. You don't have a whole lot to root for. I'm not saying they're bad teams. They've been a good football program for the last couple of years. They've been ranked, but it's not like they're a powerhouse in anything. They're not a well-known athletic program to so to take down, you know, one of the wealthiest, one of the biggest powerhouses in college football. It, good for them. It makes me happy. Um, it's always hilarious to see those things happen, and I, I hope they keep happening because it it makes college football more entertaining. It gives it more views, and it 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 shows just how awesome like football can be in general. Yeah, absolutely. And and just by like seeing some of those videos, you can tell how like diehard like some of those Appalachian State fans are. Like they're very oh loyal. You could see how passionate they are about their team. Yeah, and it it, it would have been so easy for like Appalachian State. Like you lose the game at home to a powerhouse or not a powerhouse, but a power five last week in North Carolina. Um, it'd be so easy for like a lot of those students to be like, well, they're playing Texas and they're gonna lose by like, forty. Who cares? Like we're not gonna watch this game. So to see like one that they clearly were watching the game. And that they're yet, like you said, they're that diehard and they're that locked into their football program that, again, is not a powerhouse by any means. Um, it's really cool. And, and again, I think they deserved it. They absolutely deserved it. If they're going to be that dedicated, then um, every once in a while, I, th- I think a team like them deserves to have a big win that kind of puts them on the map and gives them the recognition, maybe just for a week, but gives them some sort of recognition nationally that, um, that they deserve in, in some way one, or in one way or another. Yeah, I, I totally agree, 100%. Um, a few more upsets we had. Uh, we had Georgia Southern taking down Nebraska. Uh, obviously, everyone's out there talking about Scott Frost. Is you know, is his time coming up? Uh, that's you know, it's always a hot topic of conversation. Uh, they're now 0-2. They had another close loss to Northwestern, I think it was last week. And then we have Marshall, who took down Notre Dame by a score of 26 to 21 in South Bend. And Ben, I, I got a couple things to say about Notre Dame because last week. I watched Notre Dame play Ohio State. They looked pretty good. I like they did. their their yeah. game plan was good. They held them to seven points through. I think it was like three quarters or like two and a half quarters. Uh, they held them to seven points, and then Ohio State went and you know scored those last two touchdowns. But it was a relatively close game. It was twenty one ten. It was clear that like yes, Ohio State has more talent. They're the better team. However, that game plan that Notre Dame laid out. Um, I don't know. There was something about it. I was like, I kind of like Notre Dame now. I was like, I think this team's pretty good. Like, yeah, they can't beat Ohio State, but they can still be, you know, they, they were ranked fifth in the country. I was like, that ranking might be appropriate. Maybe they actually are the fifth best team in the country. Um, and I also like like their coach, uh, Marcus Freeman. I watched a couple of his interviews. I was like, I like their coach. I was like kind of reeled in by Notre Dame, even though they lost the game last week. And then they come here and what do they do? They 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 lay an egg against Marshall. It's like it's it's very much what they typically do. Notre Dame 
it feels like every single year they are either overhyped or they make you think they're good and then they break your heart. It's like always one of those things where Notre Dame does that. And really just the the, the best word I can use to describe Notre Dame is just fraud. Like they are frauds. Every, every single year, year in and year out, Notre Dame, they're a bunch of frauds, Ben. I mean, yeah. In, in terms of in our lifetime – they're, they have again. They've made like one national championship, but probably in our lifetime, I can only think of one against Alabama. Um, but it's interesting, and like mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, I think last week, most people, myself included, I thought Ohio State was going to completely blow the doors off Notre Dame. I mean, like, like, and you guys mentioned it last week, but like the spread was seventeen points, and it, it was originally eleven, so it got pushed to seventeen just because people were taking Ohio State by a lot of points. And Notre Dame looked good again. They covered their their seventeen point spread or whatever they were given. Um, they absolutely going in the fourth quarter. They looked like they could they could take that game from them, steal the game from Ohio State. Um, so people were, were high on them, and again, they're still a top ten team going into this week. And then you you bring in a Marshall game. Everyone's like, all right, Marcus Freeman's gonna get get his first win. This is a game that you you know get right game. You you pay Marshall you know one point two five mil to come in here, get their butts kicked, feed them, and they go home. Uh, and then I mean like like we said with Appalachian State and Texas A&M, like football happens, things happen. I mean, Marshall's not a bad team at all. They've had the last couple of years, similar to Appalachian State, they've been in the top, the top part of their, their conference every year. Um, they have good talent, and all it takes is a Notre Dame team to maybe not take Marshall as seriously as they should, and all of a sudden it's the second quarter, it's the third quarter, and it's a close game, and by that point it's too late. You're not blowing them out anymore. So um, it, I think it's hard as an athlete, as a, as a human being in general, it's hard to treat for Notre Dame players to treat this game the same way with the same intensity and enthusiasm as they did the Ohio State game last week. And clearly they looked at it as, yeah, we lost a tough game last week, but um, this is almost like a, a, a practice for us. We're going to get right. We're going to get in the wind column. We'll, we'll get moving from there. And obviously they didn't take Marshall as seriously as they should have. Marshall clearly, I didn't watch the replays or anything like that, but clearly they had a great game plan going in. Um, and a lot of times as the underdog, like all you got to do is keep it close. If you can keep it close and you got a shot at the end to, to, to win the game, um, that's typically the recipe for success. You just, what you can afford to do if you're Marshall in that circumstance is get blown out in the first quarter and all of a sudden you're 10 minutes in and you're down 20 points. Uh, so credit to Marshall for keeping it close and then being able at the end to take the lead and, and hold it and, and win this game. So, um, I feel bad for Marcus Freeman. I do because I've talked to Notre Dame's fans. And I think the consensus for him is it's very early still, but he's a player's coach. The players love him. I think he's so far, it's very, very early, but he's done a good job recruiting. He's got some very high recruits already lined up uh, for next year coming in. I think a lot mm-hmm. of times the, the concern with him was is, and this is the case for a lot of coaches, the recruiting's great, but in game, is he going to be able to make adjustments and be able to, to be at what a head coach is, which is a decision maker? Uh, and clearly, I, I don't think at least the first couple of games, I think he's had some issues with that in terms of, personnel changes, decision, decisions being made. Um, so, I mean, coaching is just more than recruiting. I think Marcus Freeman has his work cut out for him. I honestly feel bad for him because a program like Notre Dame, and there, I think there's very few programs that have the, the status that Notre Dame does, if any. You start, it doesn't matter who you are. You start 0-3 in your career as the, as the coach at Notre Dame. You're going to get pressure, and you're going to get heat from very, very wealthy and powerful alumni of that school. So I hope that he's not getting you know too much flack for this. A lot of it's not necessarily his fault. Brian Kelly did not leave mm-hmm. the program in, in a fantastic position, but I like the guy, and I think the players like the guy. Now it's up to him if he can salvage this season because, and this is the last point I'll make because I've been talking forever, these are 18- to 22-year-old kids. You start 0-2 like this against a, a team that you thought you should have beaten Ohio State and a team you definitely know you should have beaten Marshall. It's hard 
to play 10 more games this year and basically rally your, 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 your players and tell them that this season still matters. It's very easy if you're an 18-year-old kid to say this season's over. Two games in, the season's already over. What are we playing for? So I think Marcus Freeman's job is to somehow motivate his players that they still have a lot they can play for. They still have a long season to go. Do not give up now. It's way too early in the season to be thrown in the towel. And we'll see what happens. I, I hope they turn around because I like the guy, but he's in yeah. a tough situation. I don't think it's going to get any easier for him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think you made a lot of great points. I I, um, I mean, I, I do still like Marcus Freeman. Again, two games, is, it's very quick to – you can't just, like, judge him off of these games, obviously. So we'll see going forward um, what Notre Dame can do to, to kind of change the tide. Um, but, you know, we had plenty of other good games. Obviously, we're going to not mention a lot of them. Uh, Tennessee beats Pittsburgh in overtime, 34-27. Late game, BYU takes on Baylor. That was a huge win for BYU. Uh, to get that one in double overtime, just a, a big win for BYU there, twenty six to twenty, um, and then even Kentucky they beat Florida twenty six to sixteen. That game was in Gainesville, so a lot of you know interesting games. I think yesterday was one of the better Saturdays we've seen yeah. um, in, in a little while. I, I would say. I mean, are there any other games? I, I didn't even mention Alabama Texas game. Alabama almost lost to Texas. That was surprising to me. Uh, any game you want to talk about in more detail or maybe even any game I didn't mention that you wanted to talk about, Ben? I mean, I just think think about if Alabama would have lost yesterday, they were 21-point favorite on the road to Texas. And, I mean, Texas, their program's been a disaster for the last however many years, 15 years. But if Alabama would have lost that game, I think we're looking at yesterday as one of the better college, bas- or college football Saturdays in a long time. Because mm-hmm. if Alabama would have lost, you would have had the number one team lose, you had Notre Dame lose, um, you had Texas A&M lose, you had – Nebraska lose. You had all these all these powerhouses that would have lost to teams they had no business losing to. Um, I still think it was fantastic, but I think Alabama losing would have been kind of like the cherry on top of a fantastic day already. In terms of that Alabama game, again, I didn't watch it. Um, I think obviously the biggest story coming out of that is is the, this this play in the end zone where Bryce Young it looked like he was down. It should have been a safety. They they didn't call it safety. And then on top of that, the kind of like an extra middle finger to everyone rooting against Alabama. They called roughing the passer. Um, on that play, so I, I think that's the biggest takeaway. I'm gonna be honest. Looking at the video, like everyone's saying, it should have been a safety. Trevor, have you seen the video of that play? You know what I'm talking about? Um, I forget. Like I, I saw it once yesterday, but I forget exactly. Yeah, I don't really remember. Okay, so here's my thing with the video. Alabama's got the ball like on their own one or whatever. You know, Bryce Young's in the end zone. He gets pressure. Somebody tackles him. But what happens is the person that tackles him rolls on the ground, and Bryce Young rolls off of him. So Bryce Young never touches the ground. So it, Mm-hmm. At no point did, does his does his you know arms, elbows, knees, I, none of his no, nothing touches the ground other than his feet in that play. And then you know as he's rolling over the player, basically he throws it away, he gets rid of it, and then he gets hit. Um, so I don't really understand the whole argument of the safety. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't really see where there's a safety. I mean, he got rid of the ball before any of his body parts touched the ground that that would consider him down. The roughing right. the passer call is a terrible call. I mean, it was it was bang bang like he throws it and then gets hit immediately as as he's rolling off this player. That's a bad call. But all these fans that are arguing against Alabama saying that you know the ref, the refs wanted you know college for the NCAA wants Alabama to win blah blah blah. blah. Um, one, I always hate that because it's like I think it's better when Alabama loses. I think it's better for the, for TV. But I don't really get the whole safety thing. I get the roughing the passer. It's a terrible call. Um, and honestly, I hate Alabama, Trevor. I do. I mean, it's it's fun to watch them lose, but I think them winning is is better for at least the next seven days than hearing people say that Texas is back because they beat Alabama. I don't know if I can do that. I think I'd rather just have Alabama win. 
and listen to people complain on Twitter that the refs rigged it for them, then hear people for a week tell me that Texas is back and the program's back and they're going to win a national championship this year. So I don't know. I don't want either option, but if I had to pick between the two, I'd rather have the Alabama option. So uh, again, it would have been an awesome upset. I, t- I totally would have been rooting for it, but it is what it is. I mean, Alabama's a great team. I don't like Nick Saban, but he's a fantastic coach. He deserves to win these games because typically he's the better coach in these games. So again, it is what it is. Overall, fantastic day in college football. Alabama losing kind of just would have been that extra trailer on top that would have made it absolutely incredible. Yeah, I agree. I, I root for upsets pretty much all the time. Um, so in unless it's football, your team, so. and there's nothing team. worse. Yeah. There's nothing worse than your team losing like a terrible game, like a terrible upset. Um, but luckily that doesn't happen very often. But it always is one of those. It's like dang, like that's so dep- like your team gets bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament or something. It's like 99 percent of the people watching this think it's awesome, but I I think this is terrible. So. I always like to think of, like, like the Texas A&M fans. I think it's hilarious, but those fans today are like, this is just the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So it is what it is. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's very funny. I mean, it, it was really was a great uh, Saturday in college football. Hopefully every week going forward, the rest of the season's like this. Pro- probably not, um, but hopefully it is. Um, but that's kind of it for uh, college football today. Uh, now we have a number of NFL uh, things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know, coming up with week one, it's going to be a great Sunday. Obviously, we have a really good Monday night game as well. Uh, but let's talk about this Bills-Rams game first, Ben, because the Bills, they beat the Rams 31-10 to on Thursday night. Obviously, this was a, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a clean game. A lot of turnovers in this game. Uh, early on, it was pretty low scoring before the Bills kind of took over and just completely uh, ended up destroying the Rams. And uh, for me, I, I thought that, Number one, the Bills' offense is a machine. Like, it, it just, it's very, um, it feels inevitable. It feels like every single possession they have the ball, they're probably going to score. Josh Allen is incredible. I mean, he had that one bad throw, the second interception. But outside of that, I thought he looked very good uh, throughout the game. Stephon Diggs obviously had a monster game. Um, and the Bills just look really good. Again, I coming in this year, I thought they were the best team in the league. I thought I ranked them number one in power rankings. They're my pick to win the Super Bowl. So I wasn't super surprised that the Bills looked at the, the, this good. However, what I was surprised about was, um, obviously the Ram. I didn't expect this to be a 31-10 game. I thought it was going to be a one-possession game, very close with the Bills winning. Um, but the Rams in particular, I think their offensive line was pretty concerning to me. I mean, and maybe it's just because the Bills' defensive front is just that good. Like, you know, they add Von Miller. They obviously, you know, they have other good, you know, guys on their front line. So it's really solid. Um, but whether you want to call it really good uh, Bills' front front line or a bad Rams' offensive line, I don't know. Like, maybe it's a little bit of both. But that was concerning to me just to see how many times it seemed like Matt Stafford did get pressured. Um, and, and I mean, a lot of those runs just went nowhere. Anytime they tried to run the ball, it was basically like zero yards or runs for a loss. I think Cam Akers had three carries for a total of zero yards. I'm pretty sure is the stat I read. So the running game was basically nothing. It didn't work at all. And then in the passing game, Matt Stafford, they were able to get to him. They were able to put some pressure. Um, and he also didn't play that well either. So Bad game for the Rams, but I'm I think I'm most concerned about their offensive line. If I'm if I'm being specific about any one unit of the Rams, because um, I think the Bills defense, Bills offense is just that great. I think they can do this against pretty much any defense. Um, maybe not like the I guess maybe like the Niners would would pose more trouble, but 
that's what I'm most concerned about, Ben, is the Rams offensive line. But what what were some of your takeaways from this game? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I was going in with the impression like the Bills are a top three, four, five team in the NFL, but I was excited to see just how great they'd look. And, and the Rams, I think a lot of people don't expect the Rams to be as good as they were last year, at, the, at least at the end of last year. Um, but they're still a good team. I, they're still the favorite to win their division. They're still a favorite to possibly go back to the Super Bowl. So I was excited to see how mainly the Bills, I mean, it's pretty clear. Everybody knows I hate the Rams. They're the worst. Um, and they, what a shame that they lost. They lost their opening. You know, they get their, their rings. They unveil their Super Bowl banner. What a shame that there there are 50 fans in attendance there didn't get to see a win for them. I really I really feel bad for them. But anyway, um, I was excited to see the Bills and how they would look, and I, I think they absolutely blew away my expectations of them. Um, I have no issue saying that I think they're the best team in the NFL. And yes, that might sound terrible because I've, I've only seen two teams play this year so far. But I mean, I have a hard time seeing any team today look as, as good as the Bills did other than I guess they had a fumble and Josh Allen had one bad interception. But I mean, the Bills looked fantastic. Their defense looked great. Their defensive line was incredible. Matthew Stafford was hating his life all night. And Josh Allen looked like the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, again, he's the only one that's played so far, but Josh Allen looked like one of, if not the best quarterback in the NFL. He was incredible. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Josh Allen the last couple of years. Obviously, like in the playoffs, I'll watch big games, I'll watch. But I've never been like a huge, like, I'm on the Josh Allen bandwagon. He's a stud. I get it. I hear it all the time, and I kind of just agreed with it. Um, so this is the first time that I really wanted to, like, dissect his game. And <laughs> let me tell you, Trevor, uh, he's a stud. Everything that people said yeah. about him is true. I mean, he, I mean, people always say, like, he slings the ball. No, he slings the ball. I mean, he fires those, those things into small windows. He's got an absolute cannon. He runs a lot, and I think he runs probably too much at some, time, at some points, but I mean, he's just a fantastic athlete. He's a fantastic quarterback. Um, I think if you're a Bills fan, this is absolutely like best case scenario in terms of starting your season. You just beat the defending Super Bowl champions on the road, um, and you absolutely, at least one game in, have lived up to the expectations of your team uh, for this year. So very, very interesting game. I think Brandon made the point like when we were watching this, when he texted us, the game was horrible in terms of there was like six turnovers, but it was also amazing at the same time um, because it was very, very sloppy in the first half, but it was also so entertaining because both teams were, were so sloppy. But Josh Allen also somehow looked really good throwing two interceptions. So it was just very, very, very odd game. Uh, but it was kind of like the perfect game to, to ease us back into the NFL season because it had kind of everything. It had interceptions. It had fumbles. It had sacks. It had quarterbacks rushing for, for first downs. It had, it had trick plays. It had all these cool things in it to kind of ease us back into NFL football. So, I mean, shout out to the Bills again. I, I, I love them for ruining the Rams night. It makes me very, very happy. But, I mean, they're a fantastic team. I think the expectations are even higher now after watching them on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with, with Josh Allen, first of all, I, I've been very high on Josh Allen for a couple of years now. I mean, he's in the, I mean, he plays on the Bills. They're in the Patriots division. So I see him play, well, more than twice a year, but certainly twice a year. And then in the playoffs, they destroyed the Patriots, and then he also looked very good against the Chiefs. So I've I've always been very high on Josh Allen. I, I think he's the second-best quarterback in the NFL behind Mahomes. Um, I, I talked about that when we did our QB rankings. And it's just like the dynamic of like his throwing and his running ability. And he's not like – like jo I feel like Josh Allen can do a little bit of everything. Like he can, he can run a little bit. He can get outside the pocket. Uh, avoid pressure he can throw the deep ball but then he's also patient enough to like settle for short throws like sometimes we see certain quarterbacks like maybe a Patrick Mahomes maybe a Russell Wilson where they don't want to settle for those little short dump off passes they want to always go for the deep ball I think Josh Allen also is able to be patient enough 
to kind of dump it off like for short passes as well. So I, I think he's very good. Um, he's my pick to win the MVP this year. Um, and that first interception wasn't his fault at all as the receiver's fault. But um, nevertheless, I thought he had a really good game. Uh, and yeah, I already said, I think the Bills are going to be very good. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes from here. And also the Rams. I mean, is this just one bad game? Are they going to be able to rebound from here? Or are they just going to not be as good as most people thought they were going to be? I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see. Um, but that's that game. Now, next we kind of, we, we, have, we have this idea. I mean, in the NBA, um, there's like the NBA League Pass where it's like, okay, who, who are the best League Pass teams? Who are the teams that you want to, like, maybe you don't have them on your local channels, but you want to go and watch them. So today, Ben and I are going to do our top five NFL League Pass teams, essentially, or like the top five teams that we are most excited to watch this season. Um, now, I didn't necessarily go for like the teams that are the best teams. I wanted to try to be a little bit different here. Um, but I'm interested to hear your top five, Ben. Did, did you want to go first? I can absolutely go first. I have no issue going first. Um, again, yes, I, I have some, some good teams on here, but my goal, I just didn't want to have five of like the top 10 teams in the NFL. Because, yes, obviously the top 10 teams are the teams that have the best chance of winning the Super Bowl. One of them will probably win the Super Bowl. Yes, they're intriguing to watch. But, I, again, I wanted to find other reasons to watch, to, to, to find reasons to watch teams. Um, the NFL is entertaining. I'll watch any NFL team. I just want to make that clear. Uh, so, honestly, I had a hard time finding just a top five because I had, like, eight, nine teams that I wanted to throw in there that I had to, I had to just cut some out. So, but number five, I put the Lions. Again, the Lions are, are interesting to me. One, I, I guess, like, the whole hard knocks thing, everybody after, like, every, it's kind of like Trevor, you know, in college basketball, you get, like, the Maui bump. Like, somebody watches in, watches your, you play in Maui, and then all of a sudden you get, like, oh, that team's pretty good. Oh, There's yeah. also almost, like, the same thing with the hard knocks bump, where it's, like, whoever the team on hard knocks is, because you watch them practice and oh, this team, they work hard. They really grind out in practice. They don't take any reps off. Like, yeah, well, that's the point of a TV show is to make them look good. So um, they definitely have some higher expectations just because of people watch Dan Campbell and Hard Knocks and things like that. But I do think they're entertaining. One, Dan Campbell's entertaining because he's a goofball and he's wacky. But at the same time, like, I think players love playing for him because he's a football dude. And, like, he's everything that, like, a football coach is, he's that. Um, so it's entertaining. I, or they're intriguing in terms of, they're always intriguing because it's like there's no way they can be as bad as they were the year before, but somehow they always are. I do think they'll take a step up. Um, obviously, that you know they had the number whatever two overall pick in the draft, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. So we'll see how Jared Goff can look. But I am intrigued just in terms of I want to see if they can make any sort of progress. It's it's been like the longest rebuild of all time, but I want to see if they can make any sort of progress. Maybe win six games. Maybe win seven games. Who knows? Um, let's just just see how they do in general. At number four, I put the Bucks. Again, it's basic, but like Tom Brady's 45. He, he retired and then unretired. I'm just curious to see how he plays this year. I think a lot of people assume, and it's pretty like common uh, knowledge, that this will probably be his last NFL season. So I'm curious to see how he plays. Is he going to look any slower, uh, Just any, maybe just a slight bit off compared to last year? Because he was phenomenal last year. But we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I just in terms of Tom Brady, again, every year he's intriguing because every year he's older and it's like he shouldn't be as good as he's been, but he always is. So we'll see how he does this year. Number three, I put Tom Brady's old team, the Patriots. Bill Belichick, no more Tom Brady. He's getting older. Mac Jones has not looked great in the preseason. I'm intrigued to see how Bill Belichick is handling this whole Mac Jones thing. Yes, Mac Jones lost a lot of weight. He got in great shape this offseason. So I'm intrigued to see, is that going to help him? Because he, I mean, he didn't have a terrible year last year, but it wasn't fantastic by any means. 
Um, I mean, I think it was kind of just an average rookie performance from him last year. So I'm very intrigued to see how Mac Jones does this year. And, and, and then in terms of Belichick, how Belichick handles that and how Belichick kind of uses Mac Jones as, you know, as a weapon and towards his advantage. Number two, I put the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, again, if we're talking quarterbacks, you got Tua, third year. I think people are starting to get impatient with him. If he's going to have a year very similar to his first two years, um, I think there's going to be a lot of Dolphins fans and a lot of NFL fans around the league that are going to start losing patience with him because he was supposed to be this franchise quarterback and, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in college football when he was there. Then, obviously, he he gets a weapon in Tyreek Hill. I'm excited to see that first, you know, 60-yard shot that that he gets to Tyreek Hill at some point this year. Um, and then obviously a new head coach, offensive minded coach, no more, no more defensive minded coach and Brian Flores down there in Miami. So we'll see if their offense can take a step. No more excuses for Tua. He's got the offensive minded coach. He's got a weapon in Tyreek Hill. This is the year that if he, if he really has what it takes, he needs to show it. Um, the, my number one is the Chargers. I think that's a common answer just because they had what many people would say probably the best offseason in the NFL. Uh, again, I think they have every opportunity and every reason to make the playoffs this year. Justin Herbert is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, not just one of the best young quarterbacks, but one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL, period. Uh, if, I mean, if they fail to make the playoffs this year, it's going to be another year where it's like they had the talent, they probably should have done it. Uh, they absolutely should have, you know, not should have, but they could have made the playoffs last year. So I'm very excited to see the Chargers if they live up to the hype. They're getting a lot of hype, a lot of hype because of how great of an offseason they are and because of how many weapons they have. Um, I'm, I'm excited and I'm intrigued to see if they can live up to that hype in the hardest division in the NFL. So we'll see again. Um, any, every team's intriguing. I wanted to throw the Panthers in there just because of Baker Mayfield. He's playing the Browns today. I wanted to throw the Saints in there. Jameis Winston coming off an injury. Who knows? I tried not to be biased. The Bengals, I, I didn't want to throw in there, but obviously they're very intriguing. They have a great offense. So a lot of teams, you can make a case for pretty much any team, um, because that's how great the NFL is. So I talked a lot there, Trevor. I talked very quickly, but those are my five teams. Um, I'm curious to see if you have any of the similar teams as me. I imagine you probably have at least one, but maybe you don't. Who knows? So go ahead, Trevor. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I, I really liked your list. Um, I like kind of the things you talked about. I think there's a lot of great storylines with all of those teams. Um, and I also like that my list is very different from yours. Um, Perfect. I love it. I could have easily, like the Chargers, I didn't have in my list. I could have easily put the Chargers in it because I'm also yeah. very interested to watch this Chargers team this year. Um, but I'm going to start it off with my number five team. Uh, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm really interested to Love see uh, what goes on with the Philadelphia Eagles because um, I see quite a few people talking about, oh, the Philadelphia Eagles, like they could win the NFC potentially. They might be like a good long shot bet. Like a lot of these like NFL podcasts where they talk about like, you know, odds and betting and they always mention the Eagles as, well, Bill, Bill Simmons is one of them, Warren Sharp, I've heard a couple other people talk about liking the Eagles odds to potentially win the NFC and stuff like that. So I think that's going to be really interesting with the Eagles. Uh, they made the playoffs last year, snuck in with Jalen Hurts. He had a decent year, uh, not not a very good playoff game. And obviously they've gotten better. They've gained more talent on both sides of the ball. So very interested to watch the Eagles. Will they make the playoffs again? Will they improve? Can they beat the Cowboys out for the NFC East? We will find out. Uh, number four, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um Big, big Trevor Lawrence fan, shares my name. I'm rooting for him. I really want him to do well. I watched him at Clemson as a freshman. Uh, well, all, all of the years is at Clemson. But watching him as a freshman, I was like, this kid is going to be incredible in the NFL. I was like, he, he might be like one of the next, he might be like a, the next great QB. I, like as a freshman, I was like thinking that. I was just like, this kid is so good. Um, so ever since then, I've always been kind of 
you know, watching Trevor Lawrence's career, uh, rooting for him. And that'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Jacksonville, no more Urban Meyer. Um, should be a better situation now for that team. Uh, you know, and they've added a couple pieces here or there. Um, so I think they're going to be very fun. Uh, the number three team I have here is the Miami Dolphins. Um, you also had them on your list, so I'm not going to really say too much. I agreed with all your points. Yeah. Again, can Tua, does he live up all the hype? He doesn't really have any more excuses. Uh, number two, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the 49ers, I mean, they've turned this to, they've turned it over to Trey Lance. How well is Trey Lance going to play? We've barely seen him. We see him in these like little red zone uh, design plays. We don't get to really see him. We haven't seen him play like a full regular season NFL game. So like for me, it's just a huge question mark. Like I like the 49ers as a team, but I don't know about him. And also Jimmy G is still there. They decided to bring him back, which like is, is so weird. Like, I don't know. It's so weird to me. Um, and I think there's still a chance that Jimmy G could end up being the starter again this season. In fact, I kind of think he will be at some point, but we'll have to see on that. And number one, I'm going with the Denver Broncos. The Denver okay, Broncos, yeah. they've never, they haven't had this quarterback, obviously, since Peyton Manning, you know, retired. They've been the team of like, oh, if they get a good quarterback, then they could compete. If they get a good quarterback, they have all the pieces around, they have a decent defense, they have some good receivers then they could potentially be a Super Bowl contending team. Now they have a pretty good quarterback, Russell Wilson. You know, he's won a Super Bowl before. He's been there, uh, done that. He's been a pretty good option. But he's starting to get a little bit older now. Some people have questions about his mobility. You know, Russell Wilson, he's always wanted the offense very well designed around him. He wants to air it out. He wants to throw more. Um, You know, I'm very interested to see how this works. They have a new head coach. Um, you know, coming from uh, coming from Green Bay, how are they going to set up the play calling for Russ? Um, is the defense still going to be as good? So to me, the Denver Broncos are the number one team that I most want to watch, and I can't wait to watch that game uh, tomorrow night against Seahawks. That that's probably the game I'm most excited about this entire weekend. I'm I'm very excited for that game, and I wanted I wanted to put the Broncos on there, but it was like again, it was like I, I, there's so many teams out. I I got I got to take some teams off, so I took them off. I I had the uh... I had the Ravens on there. I took them. I had to take some teams off. But, yeah, that, that Broncos-Seahawks game tomorrow is interesting. Not because it should be a good game. The Seahawks are terrible. But but Russ back in Seattle will be, will be cool to see. Well, that's actually a good transition because I yeah. think – I think, and it's weird, but I guess we'll just start with the Monday night game here because um, I actually think it will be a good game. I think it's going to be okay. a very good game, actually. Um, I – you know, last like during the NBA playoffs, Ben, I, I started getting into a little bit of betting here or there. I was just doing like very yeah. small bets like on playoffs, and I was yeah. very unsuccessful. Um, not didn't do well at all. Um, I'm trying a new approach. When I was doing it in the NBA, I was doing all like like same game parlays, bets that were very like like you put in like a very low amount of money and your payoffs really good, but it's like yeah. you need four, five, six things to happen, and I would pretty much never hit them. So I'm trying a different approach. I'm just doing it simple. I'm just like looking and I'm like betting game lines. So I'm actually betting on the Seahawks a very, very small amount of money. Um, I think I bet a dollar on it. <laughs> but I'm betting, on the, I'm betting on the Seahawks plus six and a half yeah, um, a because points. I think that uh, the Seahawks are going to keep this very close and they may even beat the Broncos tomorrow night. They, may, they might. I expect that out of the gate, Russ may have a little, you know, just some some mishaps, some chemistry issues with his receivers. Yes, like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, like these guys, they're very talented. They're good. 
I think, you know, by the time we get middle of the year, end of the year, it'll start working out. It'll start looking pretty good. But week one, going against the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, I mean, I think the Seahawks team is going to really want to win this game bad. I do think the Seahawks are going to have a very bad year, but I think this week one game in particular, they're going to have a lot to play for. I think they're going to be fired up, and I think that defense is going to give Russ and that Denver offense their best shot. So I'm very interested uh, to see this game tomorrow night. I still actually do think the Broncos are going to win, but by like a field goal, like low scoring game, like, I don't know, like 20 to 17, like very close. But what, what do you think about this game, Ben? Again, like I said, I think Russ going back to Seattle is interesting. I mean, it's the NFL, so I, I don't expect a blowout. I don't expect a 30-point game. I think every game in the NFL is usually uh, close. And I don't hate your bet. I mean, winning by a touchdown in the NFL is hard. So if you, if you think that uh, the Seahawks could possibly win or keep it within a touchdown, I, I don't hate that at all. Um, again, in, in terms of the, the Broncos, I, I think, obviously I expect them to win, but I can't imagine what that locker room would be like. Maybe not the locker room because they're pros. That they, they know what the grind of a season is like. But the fan base, if they lose that game and they're sitting there like, we just lost to maybe the worst team in the NFL. Now, again, we got to play one of the hardest schedules in the NFL because we're in the toughest division. Like that's, that's a tough start to a season. If you lose to the Seahawks, which you have no business losing to, and then you're like, oh, yeah, not to mention that we play like three of the best teams in the NFL twice each. It's going to be a long season. So I, I think hopefully the, the Broncos – come out with some sort of sense of urgency because the last thing you want to do is lose a game you have no business losing. There's going to be plenty of games this year that they are going to lose just because they're playing good teams. So these are the games that they got to take care of. So I hope for for Broncos fans' sake, I hope that they win that game because it's going to be a tough start to a season if you lose to the Seahawks who are expected to be terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I guess looking at the Sunday schedule, give me one game, Ben, uh, that you really are excited for. uh, It's just very, very intriguing to you. Okay, so I think there's a very clear, not clear, but there's a, a solid number one. I'm not going to say that one because I think that's basic. I'm going to say another one. I'll, I'll go Chiefs-Cardinals. I think Chiefs-Cardinals is, is intriguing. Kyler Murray versus Patrick Mahomes. Kyler Murray got a new contract. Um, obviously, Patrick Mahomes coming off a fantastic season, but not good enough to go to the Super Bowl. No big deal. Um, just, just two good teams. I think the Chiefs are the better team, obviously, but I think the Cardinals are still a decent team. It's not like they're, they're a terrible team. I think they, can, they have every chance to go 500 or, or better. Um, so, you know, the Chiefs play on the road game one. That's not an easy, easy um, start to your season. So I'm very intrigued by that quarterback matchup more than anything. Obviously, you got Cliff Kingsbury versus Andy Reid. So some, some decent coaching there, at least on one side, the Chiefs. I don't know about Cliff Kingsbury. But um, intriguing game. I think it's one of the better games th- this, uh, this Sunday. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm also excited for that game as well. Um, I, there's a lot of Cardinals doubters out there. There's a lot of people there are. I see talking about, like, oh, the Cardinals defense sucks. The Chiefs are going to just lay it on them and, and kind of destroy them, um, which I don't know. I mean, it's it's possible. Uh, but I I don't know. I, I see a lot of uh, Chiefs defense hype, actually. People are talking about the Chiefs defense being really good. And I'm not sure if I'm completely sold on that yet. I'd have to see it. So I still think that the Cardinals are going to be able to score a little bit with the Chiefs. The Chiefs will win, but I'm I'm not quite as sold on a blowout um, necessarily. Uh, I think, you know, we were talking about one return game, the the Russell Wilson to Seattle. We got this Carolina Browns game at noon. Uh, that's going to be yeah. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, the game's in uh, Charlotte, so Baker's not coming back to Cleveland. I think this would have been more interesting if the game was in Cleveland, but... Uh, for whatever reason, they couldn't uh, make that happen. 
Um, so it's in it's in Charlotte, Panthers Browns. I think this is going to be a really interesting game. I think the Panthers are going to win. Uh, the Browns are starting Jacoby Brissett for the first eleven weeks. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was terrible last year with the Miami Dolphins. I don't expect him to be very good this year with the Browns. Um, I think they're going to rely a lot on the run game. So I I think this game. Uh, I think Baker Baker you know Baker always you know he's he's never shy to like act like oh I'm I'm the guy with the chip on my shoulder like um <laughs> I'm coming to prove a point he's very out in front about that mm-hmm. um you know he you know definitely definitely likes to talk a lot so it'll be a very interesting game um Ben do you think if, if Baker like imagine this situation the Carolina Panthers get the ball on the first drive they they drive down the f- field and Baker runs in like a 5 yard touchdown run uh like what what's the what's the amount of well I guess they're not in Cleveland so I guess he can't trash talk the fans necessarily because they're in Charlotte but mm-hmm. what do you think the do you think there's going to be like a camera shot like a zoom in on his face and he's like talking talking to the camera like what do you think's going to happen if that if that if Baker I, scores a touchdown I think and again Baker's very like like he's not afraid to hide it, to hide his or not afraid to show his emotion so I do think though, like first touchdown today is a great play. I think he's. I think people are expecting a lot out of him there. I think what would he he would ha- he would do is he'd run straight back to his sideline, but I think he'd stare at the Browns sideline. Like I think it's one of those. I don't think he's <laughs> gonna say a whole lot, but I think it's one of those. Like he'll just jog off the field and he'll you know be confident about it, but he's gonna stare stare them down. He's gonna you know shoot a dagger right across that field at him. Um, I can't see him like like getting in their faces or anything like that. I just think no, it's very no. early season. I, I think he understands that. It's a long, it's a long grind that the NFL season is. It's you can't be getting too high and you can't be getting too low. So I just think it's one of those like he might be very passive aggressive about it. But I'm excited, yeah. man. I'm very excited for that game because, I mean, for years we had to put up with Browns fans saying that Baker Mayfield's a stud is all this, and they, everyone else was telling them that they're, that they're kind of they're being a little bit irrational there. And now all of a sudden, like he's off the team, and Browns fans are are, are telling us everything that we told them for years of why he's bad. And now it's almost the exact opposite where people that don't like the Browns are telling them, no, Baker Mayfield, like, you better watch out. He's a pretty good quarterback. So it's like the two sides have totally flipped. They went from Browns fans, (laughs) Baker Mayfield's the best, here's why. And now it's Browns fans saying, no, Baker Mayfield sucks. Here's four plays from last year to show you why. And it's like, well, we showed you those last year, and you gave us excuses as to why that's not his fault. So um, it's been a very interesting, like, six months for for Browns fans versus non-Browns fans. They've totally flipped signs on Baker Mayfield just because it's like, we were tired of hearing about how great he is in, in Cleveland. Now we're tired of hearing about how terrible he is by Cleveland fans. So um, I'm intrigued, man. I, I'm intrigued. Obviously, I'd love to see the Panthers win. I don't know if they will, but I hope it's a good game, man. I, I do think that's an awesome storyline for week one. Yeah, that, that'll be a very good one. Um, let's see. What else? I mean, Pat Stolfins. Pat Stolfins is going to be a very good game. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very important game for both teams again. We we both had the Miami Dolphins on our uh, teams we most want to watch, so uh, that's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, let's see what else we got. Steelers I still think Bengals. there's one. I think yeah, that's a good one. I, I still think there's one though that we haven't mentioned that I think is probably the best game in my opinion. So so the best game uh, for me, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think it's Raiders Chargers. Ben, do you, do you feel the same way or no? Actually. I don't. That was that wasn't the game I was thinking of. But I, you're making me change my mind. I'm actually officially changing my mind. That is the best game. I didn't even think of that one. I'm looking right were, at it. And I didn't. Were even you thinking? That one. Were you thinking Bucks Cowboys? I was thinking Bucks Cowboys just because it's okay. like the nightcap. It's Tom Brady. It's in. It's in. It's in Dallas. And you know, Cle- or, uh, Dallas always has high expectations. But um, again, I'm officially changing my stance. I do think it's actually going to be Raiders Chargers, um, because anytime you're going to get two of those AFC West teams playing each other, it's going to be one of the better games this year. So um, I'm excited for Raiders Chargers. I am. 
Yeah, and that's crazy, like, just how many good games there are. Um, yeah, I mean, Raiders-Chargers, like, I again, I, I think the Chargers are going to win that division. Uh, they're playing at home. I know their home field advantage doesn't really mean a ton, but they have a lot of talent. So, I mean, I, I, I got to pick them to win the day today. If I think they're going to win the division, they got to beat the Raiders today. I mean, they don't have to, but, like, they should. So I think they're going to win, but I think I can see that game being pretty high scoring back and forth. Uh, and then, you know, Justin Herbert leading a game-winning drive, something like that. I could I could see that happening, uh, but I'm I'm very excited for that one. Um, Bucks-Cowboys, um, I don't know. Like, f- for me, the Bucks-Cowboys, like, I-, I know that the Bucks again, like, they have, like, the second-best odds to win the Super Bowl. I don't really agree with that personally. Um, I'm not completely sold on the Bucks O-line. Um, the secondary is iffy, like, their receiver, like, Brady still has good weapons. Again, Godwin's not fully healthy yet, but they got Evans, they have Julio Jones, they have Russell Gage. Like, they have a bunch of weapons for Brady, so that shouldn't be an issue. Um, the running backs have never been incredible, but I don't really, I've never really cared about, like, what the running back situation is with any any Brady teams, Patriots or Bucks. I've never really cared a ton, um, but I do really care about the offensive line. I'm a little concerned about that. However, I don't, I've never bought the hype of, like, the Cowboys' defense. I know, like, statistically, uh, the numbers say that the Cowboys had, like, one of the best, like, 10 defenses and then felt like it was... I think Brandon told me the stat last week. I think it was, like, they were, like, 7th or 8th or something. And I was just like, it doesn't seem like they were the 7th or 8th best defense. And I know that's, like, yeah, yeah, Trevor, no, you're bringing up no evidence behind your thought process here. But my feeling is that the Cowboys' defense has been kind of overrated, and I don't expect them to be that great this year. So I'm not super worried about this game for, for Brady or the Bucks offense necessarily. However, I am a little bit more worried about the it defensively because, um, again, the secondary, don't love. And then um, there's been some talk on the Ringer NFL show I was listening to. They talk about how, you know, Dak Prescott, he's really good against the Blitz. Uh, you know, just by the numbers, he kind of he destroys the Blitz. Todd Bowles historically, you know, likes to, you know, Blitz teams, likes to go heavy pressure. So... Um, yeah, from, from what I've seen from the Bucks, I would probably prefer if they didn't go like heavy blitz. Um, I, I'd be a little bit more worried about that. Let's just, let's kind of, let's kind of force Dak to be a little bit more patient, you know, kind of dare them to run the ball. They can run the ball as much as they want. I don't care. Is Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard? I'm not scared of either one of them. They can, they can run the ball as much as they want. I would be fine with that. I'm a little worried if we're, if, if the Bucks are blitzing and they're allowing Dak to just kind of beat it, but I think that'll yeah. be a good game. I do think the Bucks will pull it out, but again, it could probably go either way. Uh, what do you think about that game, Ben? I, again, like it's 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 one of those things. I, I again, I think it could go either way. There's a reason why it, it's it's you know the, the nightcap or whatever. But I, I mean, I already said everything I need to say about Tom Brady. Like for, year forty five season, um, it, he has high expectations. It's probably gonna be his last year. The Cowboys always have high expectations. The way they lost in the playoffs last year was hilarious. So it's like. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I'm expecting a good game. Obviously, I want I want Tom Brady to win, but we'll see what happens. Dak Prescott's my fantasy quarterback, so hopefully he throws for four touchdowns, but they lose the game. Maybe I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I do think it's it's a fantastic game, and like we said, there's so many good games. Like it's it's hard it's hard to pick one over the other, but this one just has so many so much star power, and you know, obviously they're in AT and T Stadium, which is the most ridiculous and insane stadium in the world. So. Um, yeah. Awesome matchup. Awesome matchup. I think it's a. I think it's a great game for the nightcap uh, to hopefully cap off a, a fantastic day of football today. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, one we didn't even mention this, this, and this is the last one I'll mention: the Packers Vikings. Uh, the Vikings, you know, they're they're one of these teams that people are projecting like, okay, they can make a little bit of a leap here. They have all the talent, especially on offense. Uh, they get rid of Mike Zimmer, who you know, most people think terrible coach. So they get rid of him. It's like, all right, you know, addition by subtraction. And then you know, Adam Thielen was injured for part of the year. They have a lot of talent on offense. Kirk Cousins by the numbers looks really good. Um, so therefore, the Vikings maybe will make the playoffs. They're at home today against Green Bay. I'm really interesting to see what happens. Really interested to see what happens in that game. Um, and obviously, the Packers now without Devontae Adams. Um, how well is that offense going to look? Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. Are there any other games you wanted to discuss uh, today, Ben? I mean, I think we got them. I mean, we covered most of them. I mean, obviously, they're they're all it's the NFL. They're all going to be hopefully close games, hopefully good games. Um, I'm just happy the NFL is back. I mean, we got we got all sorts of football back in our lives now, Trevor. We got high school football, college football, NFL football. They're all back. Our weekends are now all football. I love it. It's it's a fantastic time of year. Um, so I I think again, I think we covered it all. I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, obviously thank again everyone so much for listening we always appreciate you giving us the most valuable thing you have to offer which is your time make sure to follow us on twitter at the small baller we're constantly giving you updates about one what we're covering um on past episodes when uh you know the newer episodes are going to drop obviously again check out our, our five seconds of fame podcast uh where myself trevor and brandon uh discuss big brother which has been a really good season this year that'll come out on, on thursday night or friday morning whenever we do that um, and then obviously again next Sunday we'll, we'll uh, recap some of the biggest games from from today and, and tomorrow in the NFL, and we'll preview Week Two in the NFL. So um, I'll, uh, we're back in the year where where we have a lot of sports going on. I, I can always just think back to like when we were in July and there was nothing going on, and it was hard for us to talk about anything other than like NBA free agency. So this makes our our job in terms of talking about sports a lot easier when there's a lot of content. So uh, I'm excited, but. I'll stop talking. I've done a lot of talking. I'm sure people are tired of me talking, so I'll wrap it up there. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Go Falcons.